Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, reading from verse 15. The Bible says this Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Uh, The King James actually says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Father, I just thank you for your grace and mercy that's here today. And I thank you, Father, that you're going to speak to us by the Holy Spirit. Lord, if we understand your word, it's only because of the Holy Spirit. And I just pray that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That even as I share, Father, that your gifts would be in operation, Lord. Speak a word into our hearts that would just change not only the way we live our lives today, but would have an impact in eternity, I pray. Be exalted and lifted high, I pray. Father, we bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom to speak and to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Last week, we began uh, a series uh, uh, entitled uh, The Power of Margins, The Power of Margins. And uh, we said we live in a culture that pushes us to the limits. Uh, Buy more, do more, accomplish more, conquer more. More, more, more is the message or the mantra of the society in which we're living in today. And our lives are so busy and so full. We're living on the edge continuously. And because of that, uh, we're the most exhausted, the most tired, the most empty uh, generation, I, I believe, that's ever gone before us. And you'd think given all the technology and the gadgets uh, that we have today that our lives would be uh, so much easier. But in actual fact, uh, it's actually the opposite, the complete opposite. It seems to be having a greater burden on our hearts and lives. John Keynes predicted in the 1930s, John Keynes predicted in the 1930s, when we reach the point when the world produces all the goods that it needs in two days, as it inevitably will, we must turn our attention to the great problem of what to do with our leisure. That was said in the 1930s. How wrong was he? (laughs) How wrong was he? Busyness is the new benchmark for success. And we associate business with productivity, with meaning and and importance. The busier we are, the more important we are. The busier we are, you know, we're doing something that's that's, 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 uh, has meaning and so on. And for some reason, we've all bought into this lie and it's absolutely killing us. Key verse for the series is found in Matthew chapter 11. It's a beautiful verse where Jesus invites us and he says to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, come to me, give your life to me, come and follow me. And one of the things I will do 
for you is give you rest. Take, take the, an example from my own life, says Jesus. And, and, and one of the things that's going to happen as we follow Jesus, as we look to Jesus, that's what a Christian is. We're followers of Jesus Christ. As we look to him, one of the byproducts of following Jesus, of serving Jesus, one of the things we're going to experience is rest for our soul. It's rest for our soul. And that's powerful. If we're honest with ourselves, very few of us are experiencing the rest that Jesus promises. We said last week one of the reasons is because we're living a marginless life. No margins in our life, and that's what this series is all about. Just to recap, we defined a margin as the difference between what you have and what you need. You know, if you've got $100 in your pocket and you have $80 worth of bills... You've got $20 worth of margin. A little bit of mass this morning. Don't, don't get overwhelmed. It's okay. Just a little bit of mass. It's not going to hurt you. Uh, if you've got $100 in your pocket and $150 worth of bills, you've got no margin whatsoever. You're in the minus, and hence the stress comes up. In fact, that's a really good definition of stress. When you've got only $100 in your pocket and $150 worth of bills, you experience stress because where's the rest going to come from? What does a margin-less life look like? Richard Swenson, in a book entitled Margin, says this, Marginless is being 30 minutes late to the doctor because you were 20 minutes late at the bank, because you were 10 minutes late dropping off the kids at school, because the car ran out of petrol two blocks away from the petrol station and you forgot your wallet. <laughs> marginless living. Some of you are going, well, that's what happened to me this week. How do you know? You know? What does margin look like in everyday life? Well, in our life it would mean having time to breathe. Just having time to breathe. Being early for an appointment instead of always late. Having time to help someone going through a hard time. Having time to make that phone call and say, how are you doing? Spending time with the people you love. Time to rest and just relax and to think and to reflect and to meditate and to dream and, 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 and just to think, just having margin to be able to do some of those things. Margin is the capacity to deal with unexpected problems. There's sufficient margin to handle a situation that we weren't prepared for. Calorie margin would mean being able to say yes to the second serve. Amen. That's a calorie margin. And then no margin left at all. <laughs> In the context of our relationship with God, it's having time to pray, to deepen our knowledge of God, to serve God with the gifts that God has given us, to be able to say, you know what? God has given me certain gifts. I want to I create some margin so that I can use those gifts for the glory of God. Here's the key thought to the series. And, uh, and I, I believe that some of the best things in life happen in the margins of life. I believe that God does some of his greatest work in the, in, the, in the margins of our lives. It's in the unexpected, it's the unexpected conversation. It's those seeming interruptions in our lives where God does some of his greatest work. You see that right throughout Jesus' life. We talked about this last week, you know, whether it's Zacchaeus, Jesus is walking along. He sees Zacchaeus on the, on, on the side of the road. He says, I'm coming to lunch with you. The reason why Jesus was able to do that was because he had margin in his life. How, how many Zacchaeuses do we walk through, walk straight past in our life because we're so busy, because we have no time, because we're rushed? 
The Samaritan woman, blind Bartimaeus, it's the same story. As you read the Gospels, you're going to see the same story repeated again and again and again. Jesus is traveling towards Jericho. And as he's traveling, there's a guy on the side of the road. He starts to, what's all, what's all, the, what's all the noise about? Oh, Jesus is passing by. And as, and as Jesus is passing by, he begins to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, the disciples who are kind of like us, they, they kind, of, kind of shut him down. They're going to say, hey, be quiet. Jesus is busy. He's, he's on his way somewhere. He's too busy for you. So just can you keep it down? Can you keep it quiet? But Jesus has plenty of margin and he stops and he turns to blind Bartimaeus. And right there, he ministers healing to him. All these things happen because Jesus had margin. Some of the greatest things are going to happen in our life. Some of the greatest conversations with our children or with our spouse are going to happen because we have margin. It's the interruptions. It's those accidental conversations because we had plenty of time where some of the greatest things are going to happen in our lives. Question is, how do we deal with a marginless life? Well, last week we spoke set the foundation for the series. If you weren't here, go back and, and listen to the podcast. But today I want to look at one area where we need margin, and that's in the area of time. People often say, if I had, had more time, then I'd, then, then, then I'd have plenty of margin. Problem is not more time. It's better use of our time. It's better use of the time that we do have. Because we always seem to have time to do the things that are important to us. Notice the verse here in, in our text. It's Paul speaking uh, to the Ephesian church. And notice what he says. He says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Because if you're not, you'll be pulled towards culture. You'll be pulled towards the urgent away from the things that are really important in life. Now, one of the first cars that I drove was a Valiant VE. Anybody ever remember the area? Anybody over? You know, anyway. Uh, no electric windows, uh, no air conditioning. The air conditioner was, your, you know, your windscreen. And um, no reversing camera, yeah, no parking sensors, uh, nothing. Um, when the wheels were out of alignment, the car would literally pull to one, either to the left or to the right. And, uh, and because there was no power steering in the car, you know, it was a battle to drive that car straight. You know what I mean? Forget going to the gym, just drive the Valiant. And, you know, <laughs> you know, because um, it was always pulling either to the left or to the right. Well, our life is a bit like that. We have a spiritual alignment problem. There's a, there's a, there's a bend towards this world. There's a bend towards sin. There's a bend towards selfishness, towards an earthly focus rather than a spiritual focus. If we just allow, allow us to live our lives the way we want, there'll, there'll be a pull towards the earthly rather than to the spiritual. And there's a fight inside of us to keep our hearts fully aligned with the purposes of God, which is why Paul says, be very careful then how you live your life. Be very careful. And I just, I just love the way Paul actually writes that. It's, this, it's a sense of urgency about it. There's a sense of intentionality about it. Be vigilant. Be alert. Don't take this lightly. Be careful of the decisions you make. Because if you don't, you're going to waste your life. Be wise. Be, be wise. Think about what you do. Think, think about the decisions you make. Think about what you commit yourself to. Think about what you say yes to. 
And the next verse goes on to say, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That's reading from King James. And I love the, I love the way the dictionary defines redeem. It's to, it's to gain or regain possession of something. It's literally to buy back. And if there's something that we need to regain possession of, it's actually our time. Our time is in our own hands and we have a choice about how we use it. And we need to gain repossession of our schedules because the days we're living in are evil, says the Apostle Paul. The enemy is doing everything he can to keep us distracted. He's doing everything to keep us busy and, and unfocused so that we miss everything that God has for us. What we need to do instead is do a timeout, look at our lives, ask some difficult questions. Why are we here? What is the will of God for my life? And, and rather than just be passive about our schedules, rather than just be pulled into whatever direction is happening, rather than just be pulled into the urgent, we need to take control back of our times. We need to be intentional about how we use our time. Paul goes on to say, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God actually is. You know, it's kind of a parallel scripture in, in uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 2, which says, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world because there's a pattern in this world that if you, if, you, if, you, if you just let yourself be taken by what's happening in the world, you're going to be like the valiant. You're going to pull to the left automatically. And so we need to be transformed. How? By renewing of the mind, by, by, by challenging some of that thought patterns, by challenging the way we think, by taking back control of our schedules and saying, no, I'm not just going to get involved in anything and everything. I'm going to make sure that what I get involved in is in line with what God has for my life. Because the greatest thing that we can do is be everything that God has called us to be. The greatest thing that we can do is, is get involved with the will of God for our lives. So with the time I've got left, I just want to speak about two ways that we can use our time wisely. Two ways that are extremely important to life and are crucial to our walk with God. Two simple ways. The first one is going to be major revelation. So get ready for it. Are you ready for the first one? Come on. Are you ready for it? Because it's a, it's a major. Just turn to the person next to you and say, this is going to be amazing. Just, just tell them. It's going to be amazing. All right. First one, first one, first one. First, the first, the wise, one of the wisest ways that we can spend our time is to spend time with God. Everybody go, wow. <laughs> Reality is this. As soon as margin is squeezed out of our life, this is the first one to go. Richard Swenson says this, everyone needs God time because he's not... Because he is not pushy, that is God, about his agenda, God is too easy to forget. He just waits and waits. What does he think of efficient prayers or efficient psalms? What happened to the be still and know that I am God times? Societies that are, have the accelerator to the floor are doomed to become godless, speed 
does not yield devotion. Now, I'm not speaking about spending hours in prayer, just spending a few minutes every single day, just spending five or 10 minutes every single day with God, just spending 10 minutes in the 1,440 minutes that we have at our disposal every single day. It's just saying, I'm going to give God five or 10 of those minutes I'm going to spend with Him. Prayer is not so much about the prayer, some people are thinking, oh, what am I going to say for 10 minutes? Why, how am I going to pray? It's, it's not so much about the prayer, although it is about talking to God. It's about carving space in our day for God. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. We are, we are, we are believers in God. And so, and so it, it, it makes sense to carve out some time to spend time with God. One of the reasons why Jesus was so effective in ministry was because he spent time in prayer. Jesus, who was very God, still had a need to talk to God regularly. And if Jesus had to do that, how much more do we? The Bible says in Mark, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Mark 6.46, after leaving them, he went on a mountainside to pray. How, how do we make sure that we live a life that's lived wisely and not foolishly, where one of the greatest things that we can do is value our time with God. It's understanding the value of developing our relationship with God. Now, and I speak about this a lot, and you're probably getting tired of it, and that's okay. But you see, it's in the presence of God that we find strength. It's in the presence of God that we find answers. It's in the presence of God that we find direction. It's in the presence of, of God where, where we pour out our hearts to God. It's in the presence of, the, of God that we find grace and mercy in our time of need. It's in the presence of God that we find acceptance and belonging and security. It's, it's, in, it's in the presence of God where God begins to speak, speak to us. It's in the presence of God where God begins to reveal some of the things in our lives that, that need to change. It's in, it's in the presence of God where God begins to speak to us about the dreams that he has for our life. David said, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Matthew 6.33, we quote the scripture a lot. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God, seek first your relationship with God and everything else shall be added unto you. The context of that scripture, by the way, is anxiety. Jesus says as he was speaking, he's saying, listen, don't worry about today or tomorrow what you eat or what you're going to wear or drink or whatever it is. Don't worry, I've got that all under control. But seek first the kingdom of God. We are an anxious generation. A fearful generation, a worried generation. And, and the greatest thing that we can do with all of that is, is bring it into the presence of God, but seek first the kingdom of God. Last week, we looked at the story of Mary and Martha. Mary's in the kitchen busy. Mary's at the feet of Jesus. The Bible says that Martha was distracted. What is it that is distracting us from spending time with God? What are we so busy doing that we don't have time to spend with God? Page is not turning. How do we make sure that our heart is aligned with God? It's daily spending time with God. Now, some of you might be thinking, Pastor Joe, I know that's easy for you because you only really work one day a week anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, the rest of us actually live in the real world. Re reality is my world is just as crazy as yours. 
Uh, and, and I could never do this without God. I, I, I discovered very early on in the piece, I can't do this without God. And, and here's the thing, I, you know, and I, yes, I am involved in ministry and therefore it makes it, you know, easier or whatever. But, but the reality is, you know, I was, I was spending time in prayer way before I started working for church. It's just, it's just, it was just a habit in my life. And, and whatever it is you're involved in in your life, you, you can't do life without this. We can't do life without spending time in the presence of God. Our life is going to be lived differently when we carve out some space and begin to spend time with God as we begin to talk to God and begin to just read his word. Charles Stanley said, we must remember that the shortest distance between our problems and their solutions is the distance between our knees and the floor. How our lives would be different if we just learned to speak with God about what we're going through. How can we make sure that we're wise and not foolish? The key is to spend 10 minutes a day with God and watch how your day is lived differently. Second wise way that we can use our time is to take rest seriously. Robert Morris refers to a story in Japan about a man called Mr. A and he'd worked for several years at a major Japanese snack food processing company and after putting in as many as 110 hours each week uh, to do that, he, he, worked, he worked at least 16 hours a day for seven days a week. He did that week after week, year after year. They found Mr A dead at his workstation, the victim of a heart attack. He was 34 years of age. Japanese developed a new word in the 70s to describe this phenomena. It's karoshi, death caused by overwork or job-related exhaustion. When we get busy, we think we can't afford to rest. The only reason why we think like that is because we don't actually understand the value of rest. God has always taken the concept of rest very seriously. Right from the book of Genesis, the Bible says that he created the earth in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. God considered this to be so important, he included it in the Ten Commandments. In fact, it's the longest commandment out of the, the ten, God said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, uh, shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that was in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. We don't keep the commandments to be saved. We keep the commandments so that we can be blessed. There's a blessing attached to the commandments. The Bible says, God was speaking to the people of Israel. He said, listen, if you keep this, these commandments, it's going to go well with you. There's a blessings associated with keeping them. Consequences when we don't. If we commit adultery, there's consequences. Murder, consequences. If we lie, there are consequences. So why do we think that there are no consequences if we don't keep the Sabbath? Many of us wouldn't dream of murdering or committing adultery, yet violating the Sabbath, we think, oh, well, that's okay. The interesting thing about uh, the Sabbath is that God considered it so important that the penalty was death if people violated it in some way. Now, that doesn't happen today, but here's the reality. When we violate the Sabbath... We kill ourselves slowly. We actually do so much damage to our body. We do it slowly. 
And in the end, if we don't get a hold of it, we'll become like Mr. A. It's amazing how margin is woven into so much of the Bible. In the Old Testament, God said, you can work the land for six years, but on the seventh year, I don't don't want you to do anything. I don't want you to plant. I I want you to leave the land barren on the seventh year. And God was saying, if you allow the land to rest for one year, you will produce more in six years than you would in seven if you planted in seven years. It's a principle of rest. It's the principle of the Sabbath. Yet we think we can continue to work at a crazy pace and there'd be no consequences. We always think that the weak ones, they're the ones that burn out. But not me, not me. I'm Superman, Superwoman. It's never going to happen to me. Reality is when 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 we think like that, we're being foolish, as Paul would say. God says, take rest seriously. Because if you do, you will become more productive, more effective. You'll accomplish more than you would if you had no rest. And Jesus exemplified this uh, with his disciples. He says, then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus understood the value of rest and so should he. So what do we do on the Sabbath? What, what do we actually do on the Sabbath? Well, one of the things you do is rest. The, actual, the word Sabbath actually means to rest from labor, to rest from work. You worship, you reflect, you remember, you reset, you do the things that recharge your, your, your batteries, your physical batteries, your emotional batteries, your spiritual batteries. What we do on a Sunday is, a, is, is kind of like the Sabbath. It's, it's we come together and we, we recharge our batteries. Just a word of caution. Some people may use the Sabbath as an excuse for laziness. Some people, they don't just rest on the Sabbath. They also rest on the Sundayeth and the Mondayeth and the Tuesdayeth. <laughs> And the Wednesday. <laughs> Never use rest as an excuse for laziness. Because the consequences of a workaholic lifestyle are the same as that for a lazy lifestyle. Both of them will destroy you. Wise people understand the value of a Sabbath. So if we're going to create margins in our life, we need to redeem the time. We need to... We need to redeem the time. We need to regain control of our schedules. I remember uh, my first placement, or no, third, third placement in psych. I remember, I remember the supervisor, uh, you know, be, be speaking to someone and, and he'd say, you know, you, you need to do such and such a thing or whatever it is. And he'd say, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I, no, I, I, I can't do the other thing and, and I can't do that. So he'd get this piece of paper and he'd write power on it. You just write power on it. And he'd put them in, 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 the, in their hands. And he'd say, listen, the power is in your hands. Now you can choose to give that power away to someone else. That's your choice. But it's your choice. The power is in your hands. The time is in our hands. It's in our hands. No one makes us do anything. We can choose to either give it here or here, or here, or here, or here. We can choose to, to, how we use the time that's in our hands. The Apostle Paul would say, be careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but wise. And if we're going to create margins in our life, we need to redeem the time. We need to buy back the time. How do we do that? 
Well, I believe it begins with Jesus' words, the simple scripture, but I want, it, I, want it, I want it to be embedded in our hearts and lives. It's Jesus' words that says, come to me. He's just saying, come to me. It's an invitation. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Spend time with Jesus. You find some time every day to connect with God, to read the Bible, to worship and pray. It's, it's you make space for God, whatever that looks like. Pastor Joe, oh, I'm not good at praying. I don't know how to pray. I don't know, write something, journal, do something. But connect with God in some way. Pastor Joe, I listen to a podcast. Does that count? It's good to listen to a podcast. But this is not about listening to someone else. It's about you talking to God. It's about you connecting with God. As you do that, Something shifts in our hearts and lives. Something begins to change. The Bible says, bad company corrupts good character. Hang around with the wrong people. It's going to destroy you. Good company does good things in our character. And the greatest person that we can spend time with, it's God. It's God. Whatever it is you're facing in your life, whatever challenges you're facing at work, in your marriage, in your home, whatever it is, it's God. I don't know what to do. Would you help me, guide me, help me through this? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand. I want everybody to stand. We've got five minutes left in the service. Five or so minutes left in the service. And here's what I want us to do. Because I know, I, I, got a, I got a feeling that this was a busy week for everyone. I got a feeling we had things to do. It was the Martha Syndrome this week. You know, we just had a lot to do this week. And maybe we didn't have time to read our Bible. Maybe we didn't have time to pray. But we're in church today. We've got a little bit. We've got, we got a few minutes. We're going to pray. We're just going to talk to God this morning. Is that okay? Okay, service is a little bit earlier, so it's okay. We've got time. So no one's rushed. We're still going to get out on time. I want us to pray. I want us to pray. I want us to begin to, to seek God. Every first Wednesday of the month, we gather together as a church and we pray. We don't do much, anything really fancy. We sing a couple of songs, uh, maybe give us a small thought, and then the music plays like this in the background and we pray. Because it's all about connecting with God. So this is what I want you to do today. And just, just as we, as music is going to play softly in the background and, you know, it's going to give us a bit more, a bit more volume, but they, they, they're going to just play in the background. Here, here's, here's four things I want you to do. Five minutes, but there's four things I want you to do. Number one, wait. Number one, I just want you to worship God. I just want you to worship. Say, God, I, I just love you. You're an amazing God. That's number one. Number two, it's about confession. And it's not just about confession of sins, although if that's what you need to do, then that's fine. It's a great time in the presence of God to just say, God, you know, I messed up again this week. I just thank you that you love me and that, you know, you're going to help me to, to do better this week, this coming, this coming week. But it's, it's more than all of that. It's about saying, God, I just want to be like you. I want to get closer to you. I want to know you. I want to be everything that you called me to be. Number three, it's about presenting your needs to God. And then number four, it's about thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you.
that you're the God that answers prayer. I thank you that you're the God that is sitting on the throne. I thank you that you're going to see me through. So come on, I want you to begin to pray just right where you are. Music's going to be playing. Just begin to worship the Lord. Come on, let's spend a couple of minutes just worshiping the Lord. Just worship Jesus. Just lift your voices. Come on, lift your voices unto God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just tell the Lord you love Him. Come on. Just lift your voices. Begin to tell the Lord you love Him. He's an amazing God. He's a gracious God. That's right. That's right. Come on. Something happens as we pray. Something happens as we pray. Something shifts in the spiritual realm. This is not just another Sunday. Come on, church. Just begin to pray. Just begin to seek God. Oh, we love you, Lord. 